0: It's Wednesday, and it's June, and I know I promised you guys the Summer Sizzler Challenge. It's not this week. This week, we have an amazing interview. Next week, get ready. It's the Summer Sizzler. Yay! One of the most stressful things for me as a mom, as a mama, as whatever the kids are calling me these days. I think my son called me mother the other day, and I just about died, Um, but Anyway, one of the most stressful th- things for me as mother is that I I struggle with cooking. Cooking is like totally a stress-inducing thing for me. And then on top of that, I have all this guilt. I don't know about you. Do you feel guilty about what you're like throwing in front of your kids? Like I throw goldfish at my children far more than is nutritionally sound. And so when I had the opportunity to chat with a real life dietitian, I was like, oh heck yes, we're going to do this. And I'm so excited that the one that I had like a friend of a friend connection with was Karen because I love her. I think she's like just so amazing. And after having talked to her, she gave so much insight in this interview. So you're going to want to stick around because when you listen, here's some things you're going to learn. You're going to learn how to make mealtime less stressful. You're going to learn the difference between typical picky eating and picky eating that might need a little extra support. You're going to learn from Karen just how to make eating so much less stressful and so much more of this... Opportunity to connect with your family. So, if you want to learn at least those three things, there's so much more jam packed into this chat. If you want to learn those three things, then listen all the way to the end. And at the end, we are going to do a little bit of housekeeping before we wrap up about the Summer Sizzler Challenge and how you're going to participate and whatever. So, listen all the way today. I know it's a long one, break it up, do it for your commute to and from school, whatever you got to do. But you do have to listen. And this week is just going to be so great. So have a great listen and I'll catch you at the end. Welcome to the mothering together podcast. I'm your host Kayla, and I am here to be your ADHD mom friend together. We're going to discover plausible and practical tips for stay at home moms with ADHD. It's not like the other podcasts out there where one woman found success doing XYZ strategy and she thinks anyone can do it. No, no, no. We're going to work through systems to find what works for women like you and me, who struggle with time management and organization, who have tried all the other things and they didn't work because they weren't individualized and for us personally. As a mom of two and with ADHD myself, I understand how challenging it can be to balance homemaking, raising those little lovable monsters and managing our own unique brains. But don't worry, you're not alone. Each week, I release a new episode on Wednesday where I discuss topics related to homemaking, parenting, and time management. I get to leverage my connections as a pediatric SLP to get interviews with experts in the fields of parenting and development. I share my own personal stories and the stories of moms from our community. And most importantly, I fill each of these episodes with practical tips that you can try today. The goal of each and every episode of this podcast is for you to have at least one at least one idea that will give you a whole heck of a lot more ease and a little bit less stress in your day-to-day life as a stay-at-home mom. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom with ADHD or you're just looking for ways to better manage your time in your home, I'm here to help. Go brew yourself the biggest cup of coffee that your Keurig can handle, and let's dive in. Hi, Karen, welcome to the Mothering Together podcast. Thank you so much. It is really a
1: pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to chat.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you as a mom. We'll start there. Tell us about that.
1: Sure. So I have two sons and a daughter and I was a stay at home mom after it was right. I think it was before I was pregnant with my second one when I made the decision to stay home because I felt like I wanted to be available to do whatever needed to be done for my kids. And it made a lot of sense. And I did all of that, right? I, I'm a former special education teacher. So I sort of, my kids were my students and I would do all kinds of fun little educational field trips and stuff with them. And they didn't love that all the time, but it was still a lot of fun to do. We live in Portsmouth. And it was a marvelous place to raise kids because it was a wonderful neighborhood and lots of kids to play with. And there's the beach and hikes and all kinds of stuff like that. My kids are big kids now. They're 24, 21, and 17. My youngest is graduating from high school this year. And that's going to pop me into a completely different chapter in my life. (laughs) empty nesting potentially empty nesting but she's ready to go and we're ready for her to go (laughs) and i think she's going to be awesome it just means things are a lot quieter at my house Mm.
0: and cleaner (laughs) (laughs) i was talking to a neighbor the other day and she was saying my daughter is going away and her room will be clean and it will stay clean this will be a whole different thing yes what's really fun is on our street
1: we live on a short street and there are probably in the last two years maybe three or four other families with little ones who've moved in babies and the boys next door two and three and I am just loving watching them play and that whole new generation of kids on our road it just it makes me super nostalgic
0: for that those times (laughs) I am that family in my neighborhood Let's switch gears a little bit. And you can tell us a little bit about what you do professionally. I know you work, do you work mainly with children as a dietitian or? Only. It was
1: a, it was a conscious decision I made as a special education teacher. And I did that for 13 years. And I had all this information in my mind about how to work with families and how to work with sometimes families had sort of other complications going on for them. And, and I had all this information about kids development and how I, how I wanted to work with families and what skills I could bring. And for me, there's that Venn diagram, right? There's my new love of nutrition and my old love of kiddos and that little cross section there in the middle. Is those are my people. I absolutely <laughs> love to work with families and kids, particularly kids who are either have ADHD or on the autism spectrum or maybe have something else going on. I love to work with those families. Mm.
0: Yeah, I also love to work with those families and I am one of those families, <laughs> although I'm the ADHD person. No, my kids have not yet been diagnosis anything we'll see what time will tell sure thank you for sharing about that as a dietitian are there common myths or common misconceptions about like what to do for for feeding kids that you often find yourself like telling families <laughs> that is a really huge question and my brain <laughs> is going oh my
1: goodness where do I start where do I start so here's one thing I do know about families is, firstly, every single family that comes to see me, they love their kids so much, I know they do. No matter what their strategies they are trying at home or what their family culture is like at home or what they're bringing with them, right, so we all take what we learned about food and feeding and how that relationship works, we learned that from our caregivers, our parents, and maybe grandparents, and we, and we carry that forward to our own kids. And I would say there is often almost like there's like this square peg parents are trying to cram into that round hole sometimes, mm. and they're like, but I want them to enjoy their vegetables, and so I'm hiding vegetables in their food, and they can't have the ice cream until they eat their vegetables, and it's really not working, and I go... Sure. I grew up in a in a house where you had to eat what was on your plate. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of the story. My dad is a former dairy farmer and he's a product of the depression. And there was nothing more sinful in our house than wasting food. And you ate every bite that was on your plate. And that was the end of that. And there I have distinct memories of sitting in the pitch black dining room, all my brothers and sisters have gone off. And I was sitting there in the dark crying into my plate of peas. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so those peas would go into the refrigerator and they'd show up at breakfast the next day. We've learned, we've learned differently now. And I think that there are a lot of parenting practices that are, that have shifted. And I think feeding is one of them. How to feed your kids. The myth that you have to, make your kid eat their veggies right you have to force them to eat their veggies because veggies are bad or they taste bad or they're good for you we've we've learned how to feed our kids differently and i try to get parents to forgive themselves because sometimes parents turn on themselves and they feel so guilty and they feel so responsible And they think, oh, I've done this, I've done this thing to my kid. And I go, hey, we're gonna give you a little bit of grace. You're doing the best you can, I know you are. Here's some information that we can use to maybe do things a little bit differently that feel better for
0: you and feel better for your kid. Hmm. So it sounds like, and I'm reading between the lines of what you said, it sounds like your process often involves taking some of that pressure that lots of us grew up with i mean i have a similar story of sitting at that table and everyone else is gone and i'm staring at carrots i still can't do cooked carrots because Mm -hmm. of that memory they're just sickly sweet to me and so it sounds like like the shift feels like it's been away from being more directive in feeding and kind of providing the food and then letting your child choose is that the recommended way to go yeah
1: so sometimes i give parents permission to let go i say you can completely step back and some parents say oh wow this feels amazing this feels great i have i had parents use a strategy that I often suggest to families, which is serving family style. You take all the food you're going to have for dinner and you put it in the middle of the table and everyone serves themselves what they'd like and what they don't want. And I've had parents use that one strategy and come back to me and say, I cannot believe how different dinner is. Mm. I'm not telling them they have to put broccoli on their plate. I'm not telling them they have to eat their salad before they get dessert. We're just having an enjoyable family dinner. And to me, that one thing of giving the parents permission to let go of that power struggle
0: is, is powerful. I mean, I think you just changed my dinners. <laughs> Taking the pressure off makes sense, right? Like making it more intuitive for your kid to listen to their body and how much they want and what they like. That sounds good to me.
1: Yeah, and so I'm going to take this one step further and say that this concept that we're talking about where you're sort of letting go of the control about what a kid eats, this is not uh, something I've made up, but instead is the division of responsibility in feeding by Ellen Satter, who's a registered dietitian and also a licensed family therapist. And she outlined this. 30-something years ago in her book, Child of Mind Feeding with Love and Good Sense. And the division of responsibility is super straightforward, but it can be really hard to practice. Mm -hmm. So there are two columns. Parents have a column of jobs. Kids have a column of jobs. The parent's job is to decide the what, where, and when kiddo gets to kiddo shows up for dinner that's mm-hmm. an expectation and that they decide whether to eat it or not and how much from what we've put out on the table so parents often say to me sure 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 yeah 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 and then all of a sudden like the light bulb goes on and they go but wait right it it that flies in the face of what you and i were just talking about right? You had to eat the carrots, I had to eat the peas, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: they had to be all gone, whether my tummy was full or not didn't really matter. I had to eat the amount that was put on my plate. And so we are talking very much about parents and caregivers doing their job, staying in their lane, actually, Mm -hmm. and giving kids the responsibility of listening to their own bodies, Mm -hmm. listening to their hunger and fullness cues and being in charge of their eating but with those guardrails Mm -hmm. that the parents have set up the what where and when we're having spaghetti and meatballs and broccoli at five o'clock and we're at the dining room table and nobody's going to take a plate of pasta and go eat it in their bedroom that's not that's not where (laughs) that's not the where yeah you want to eat your plate of pasta you've got to sit with us right that was for the teenage crowd out there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, my little one would not take his plate of pasta no. to his bedroom. And if he did, he'd be, it'd be a mess. Sure. I was talking to some people and some people who listen to the podcast and even just some friends. One of the questions or one of the things that came up is meal planning. And that is like the biggest mental load. Like I did a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago about planning meals and how I do it. and but I'm not a dietitian. And I, my concern, I guess, as a mom or my worry is that I'm not getting in all the nutrition that I, I don't even know, like, do I try and provide variety? That's all I do. And <laughs> but
1: that's awesome. That's okay. awesome. Because that is part of your job as a parent to expose your kids to as many foods and flavors as possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I follow somebody on Instagram, I think It's called 101 by 1. She wanted to introduce her baby to 101 foods. Wow. By the time he was 1. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of work. But she did it. (laughs) And I was like, that's amazing. The meal planning part is, yeah, I mean, it is work. And I think it's, it's like, other household chores where you need to come up with some sort of system, mm-hmm. and you need to, for me, it was always about writing it down. And mm-hmm. actually, even still, it has to be written somewhere. And this is not jazzy by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. But the old MyPlate, if you can remember the MyPlate.gov, Mm-hmm really does give you the basics right you've got a plate you want half of it to be covered with fruits and veggies a quarter of it to be covered with proteins and a quarter of it to have some sort of starch grain that's the sort of not exciting part about putting together a balanced meal and if you can think about that when you're doing your meal planning you can maybe Maybe it comes down to planning three exact meals and then knowing in the back of your mind or in the back of your pantry, you have something you can pull to get, you can pull mm-hmm. off in a pinch.
0: Sometimes you do, like you get home and you're like, I don't want to make anything that I planned. And then you have to no. figure out those.
1: For, for some kids who have a real need to know and anxiety, it's super helpful for them to have a menu at you know face height for them somewhere on the refrigerator so if they say you know they get they're getting wound up they can see that you're making dinner and they're maybe a little worried about what's going to show up and they begin to say what's for dinner what's for dinner and you can say oh it's tuesday let's look at the let's look mm. at the, the menu oh it's tuesday we're having meatballs and noodles and watermelon slices and they go right okay i like watermelon all right And that brings me to the other point I wanted to make, which is giving yourself permission to not worry about whether foods go
0: together or not. (laughs) Yeah, when you said watermelon, I was like, oh, really?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I say that because I think that's what I served last night. What did we have? We had homemade macaroni and cheese. No, we had... Caesar salad and a flank steak, and watermelon, and squash. I knew my daughter wouldn't eat the squash, mm. and I thought, "Well, I got some watermelon. I'm going to throw that on the table." She was happy to eat the watermelon. It, when we stop, like Martha Stewart's not coming to my house for dinner. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, there's no. Julia Childs or anybody else, right? Nobody, and, and frankly. It's a, it's freeing. It's freeing to sort of give yourself permission to sort of throw whatever on the table is whatever works for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that, I, I hope that we're letting some of this stuff go, right? We talk a lot about breakfast for dinner,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is kind of fun for kids to do. And i say to parents you can do the same thing for breakfast because breakfast is when you eat not what you eat
0: mm-hmm. so if
1: your kid likes grilled cheese sandwiches
0: make them a grilled cheese sandwich for breakfast that is so funny because i eat dinner for breakfast very regularly i'm like a savory breakfast person so sure. I'll just like throw the leftovers into my plate i also had gestational diabetes so i know what spikes my sugar is like a cereal so i'm like i can't mm. have cereal i can't have any of that but so i i learned that during pregnancy and it stuck around
1: <laughs> so. i think i think we can give ourselves a lot of freedom yeah i think we can i think we can let go of some stuff that makes us feel a lot of pressure
0: mm. no i think it's so cool you just you've already changed so much about our dinner And I knew about the the division of labor, not labor, the division of responsibility, Um, but I will say in reality, in the reality of my life, we try to, we provide the food and our son can choose whether to eat what is in front of him. And just like you did with your daughter and the watermelon, I try to have like a win on the table, Mm -hmm. but. (laughs) Something like Easter comes up, and he's like constantly asking for that Easter candy. Mm-hmm. But can I have the candy, mom? I'm like, well, it's not on the menu for this one, but it's on. I'll put it on the menu for snack time. Right. Sometimes it he won't he'll, he just won't eat, it. and he'll be like, okay, then I'll wait for snack. And I'm like, oh, mm. that's not great. <laughs> so, any tips? ooh.
1: Mm. So I'm assuming this is breakfast or lunch that he's. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll wait. Yeah, I might ask him a question. How old is he? He's almost four. Ooh, he's okay. <laughs> so you can very gently and kindly say, "Is your tummy okay with that?" Because, oh, how do I want to say this instead? So i I would draw attention to his stomach. Is your is your tummy hungry? Maybe mm. you know you want to sit. Again, maybe that's not exactly it either. What he, are you trying to avoid doing? <laughs> I'm curious. Say, I'm trying to get him to... I'm trying to, to to get you to be able to remind him in a gentle way that the, the snack isn't for another three hours or something, mm-hmm. right? And he could be hungry, but I'm trying to come up with the language. I'm so glad you're your speech pathologist, true. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. <laughs> Excellent. Help me
1: with the language here. Right. I'm trying to come up with the language that would say something like, hey, buddy, let's pay attention to your tummy. If you're hungry, here's what's here's what's available for you to eat now. Right. But without the sort of, oh, well, you'll be hungry later,
0: you know, with that, I'm trying to avoid that kind of The shaminess, which is totally what I say. So (laughs) I don't know that I have the right words. (laughs) Well, maybe we can work on that together. Yes, I think um, it's hard too, because the passage of time is like hard hard for him to understand at this point. So it's kind of just like, I get honestly i get more food out at this point i'm like he's he i'll get something else out that's enticing and hope that he eats that and sometimes it works usually it's yogurt
1: well again that's a that's another strategy you can be like well here's this here i'll leave this here Mm -hmm. and it'll be out for you know 15 or 20 minutes i'm sure that you probably have some sort of visual timer or something at your Mm -hmm. house Mm -hmm. believe it or not i've got this one here And I use it with
0: every single kiddo who comes to see me in my office. So we have to describe it. So it's called a time tracker. It's called a time tracker. And it's a column. And
1: you can set it a couple of different ways. And do you hear that little bing? So the green light has gone on on the bottom. So this is set for five minutes. And so the green light will be on for, I don't know, three three minutes. minutes. Three and a half minutes and then the yellow light will come on for a very short period of time, and then the red light will blink, and there's that sound, that little blink, blink, blink sound. And kiddos who come to see me, even even teenagers love this little thing.
0: I want one of those. Just as a
1: reminder, just as a reminder, when the red light goes off, Mm -hmm. it's time to put the toys away, and it'll be time for you to go. Wow. Sometimes kids I work with have transition issues and sometimes their parents have a hard time with transition too. Mm-hmm. And so what I like about this is it's not oh we're going in 5 minutes. No. It's just we're watching we're watching this timer. It's
0: really neat. It looks just like like a uh, traffic light, right? Exactly. So it's very familiar. Exactly. So cool. It I doesn't matter
1: how old kids are, they love that sort of visual that visual, you know, thing. Cause after we do a little food exploration work, I do give them 10 minutes or so to play. play while I chat with their parent and then
0: transition them
1: out.
0: One thing you were talking about earlier actually brought up for me, something I'm not experiencing, but I know lots of families do of like more significant, picky eating. And Mm. you were talking about that anxiety that a kid might feel Mm. Um, and asking and asking and asking, like, what's for dinner? Can you tell us more about that? Like if there's a mom out there who's listening and is like, what is the, the, the fine line, I guess, between typical like toddler, I'm going to wait for the chocolate and more like picky, picky.
1: So... I will say that all kiddos do have a couple of picky phases right around 18 to 24 months when kids' favorite word is no, no, (laughs) right? They've come into their own power, and they are beginning to become a little anxious about new stuff, right? So that's a picky time, and then again, between five and six, I don't know exactly what's going on then, but that's another time that it can be a little challenging for kids. I would say if you're having nonstop battles around dinner time in particular seems to be the time that is hardest for families because kids are tired, parents are tired, you want everybody to get fed and bathed and off to bed so you can have a moment to breathe. If you're having non-stop battles if you feel that your kiddo's dropping foods so let's say they had a pretty narrow selection of foods they would eat and then that 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 menu just gets smaller and smaller if your kiddo is having growth if you have growth concerns
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, if you are finding that it's impacting your ability go to grandma's house for Thanksgiving, or going out to a restaurant, or even just to go play at a friend's house. You definitely want somebody to do an eval, and so you can drill down on the why. Because Mm -hmm. it can be a variety of things, and sometimes it's more than one thing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I trust parents' guts. (laughs) I haven't had a parent come to me and say, my kiddo's a picky eater and then me do an evaluation and say
0: <laughs> no they're not all <laughs> oh,
1: good bye that that hasn't happened so
0: That's too funny
1: i trust parents when they tell me that
0: mm-hmm. no i like that that makes a lot of sense to me i'm trying to think of another good question to ask you because it's all been so great i know that i was gonna ask you i had a plan to ask you about like the nutritional balance mm. but you've already mentioned the my plate yeah. and so is that generally a good
1: it's a good starting point for okay. some families who maybe don't have haven't had a life experience of their families cooking or providing foods for them if they want to to begin to provide food in a different way for their kids my plate is a good place to start there are lots of visuals mm-hmm. um, and it's it is a super basic a, a good stepping off point you had said something about diet culture and and mm-hmm. and and i i wanted to make the point when you said that that kids aren't mini adults so Sometimes, again, out of the goodness of their hearts, parents are putting kids on diets to change their kiddos' body shape. Keto, Atkins, gluten-free, dairy-free, without really sort of a medical reason to do that. And so I would say getting back to basics. For your kiddo, your job really is to provide that balanced plate Mm -hmm. and to not get drawn into maybe some stuff that you're seeing
0: out there. Well, so that begs some questions because Mm. there's like, I don't have the words right now, the things that people often try to like omit from their foods or to pick different foods. So I know like buying organic, Mm -hmm. is that super important? avoiding red dye is -hmm. that super important i don't know i know that i had a mom friend ask me to ask you about red dye and i was like okay i don't know i'm gonna answer that but then i'm gonna go
1: back Mm -hmm. to your other
0: question okay
1: so there are a very small number of kids who have attention deficit disorder who do have a sensitivity to certain food dyes. Red dye for number 40 seems to be the one that gets named time and time Mm -hmm. again. That number is very, very small. And if you are going to drill down and try to figure out if that's your kiddo, that's a that's a big undertaking. Mm. And so I would encourage you to find someone to help you do that all right now remind me what the first question was Uh, organic food i think organic Organic food to me is a preference grocery prices are wow these days and you can feel free to skip the organic produce and other foods Mm -hmm. if you would like a middle ground. I'm all about the middle ground. I'm the special mm-hmm. ed teacher, right? I'm all about finding that gray area. Yep. Organic dairy products and meat products. That would sort of be a place if that was important to you. That's where I would put the emphasis. Organic really just is a descriptor of the agriculture. It's about the farming.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think that it has grown to be perceived that those foods are have a greater nutritional value and that's not borne out and it's also some people say that there is there are less pesticides or no pesticides used and that again is not exactly accurate Mm, Um, interesting organic farming does use pesticides just a different list oh it's more it's more about the marketing this is me this is me being protective of the families that i work with it is expensive feed your children these days and I don't want anyone to feel that they shouldn't give their kid an apple if it's not organic (laughs) that's a valid point get your kiddos to eat Mm -hmm. all those wonderful foods fruits and veggies so all those reasons
0: no I love that if our listeners are out there and they again coming back to the mom overwhelm it's a it's a big mental load i've talked about it before that i am constantly like i have a mental checklist of have they gotten these types of nutrients into Mm -hmm. their bodies and oh by the way i forget to feed myself because i'm like literally thinking about everyone else so is there a rhythm or a system or like, and I don't know if there is, but like a way to kind of check the boxes without like making like can we make it super stupid simple? That's what I always ask myself, like how do I make this stupid simple so I don't really have to think about it as much as I do? Because if I I have to think about it a lot, then I, I might not do it. Sure, I would say There's nothing quite like a chart. Mm.
1: There's nothing like, you know, maybe you don't want to worry about every meal and every snack seven days a week. But if you can possibly, maybe just, maybe it's just dinners. Maybe it's just lunches. It depends on your family's rhythm, right? Mm. I have had families say, "We, there's no way we're going to get to family dinner. We're never going to be able to eat dinner together. It's always somebody's off to work or to soccer practice or taekwondo or whatever and i say it doesn't have to be dinner it can be something else right i've had families make sunday brunch non-negotiable everybody's got to show up for sunday brunch end of story and that's the one time they get to eat together and they eat the same Mm. meal and i think that i had another family do a really cool thing where dad worked very late most most nights and they all made a commitment to have dessert together on friday nights when he came home early. isn't that that. sweet that's so sweet that's so sweet and so that was their one family time that they all ate together okay so my point is thinking about this this chart this system Mm -hmm. uh, it can it can probably seem I don't know, a little corny, a little teacherish, a little preschool teacherish or something. But I think there's nothing quite like a visual that's staring you right in the face on your refrigerator where you could, I bet you could create some sort of template Mm -hmm. that you print out and then maybe you fill in your fruits or your vegetables or something at lunchtime,
0: right? You know what is popping into my head as you talk like honestly just a color template and seeing if I can get us to eat the different colors because I feel like that would at least give me variety.
1: So my plate would have some resources there and there's also another there's a woman I can't think of what her name is but her 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 website is called kids eat in color
0: mm-hmm. I've heard of that
1: and so she probably would have some really great resources I bet on she'd have some cool visuals
0: well. I hope so yeah <laughs> I'll have to look into that. If I find it, it will be in our little notes that go along. (laughs) So just look below and you'll know if I found it. (laughs) Well, thank you. I think just as like a final question, if you were to just sort of pick two items, one from before you were a mom and then one from kind of today, two objects, almost like if you were, if your house was on fire, And you had to like get two objects Mm. what would the two objects be thinking about one the person you were before you were a mom and now as a mom kind of to represent how you've grown i know that's a hard one to ask you spur of the moment so if you want to skip it you can skip it all
1: right i'm gonna go i know my post mom Mm -hmm. would be a box of nostalgic baby things right mm. I know that that's what I would grab photos of the kids as babies actually in my bedroom I have pictures of all my kids the moment they were born my husband took them and for Aww. the two boys that was pre digital camera days <laughs> so they're not the exposure's not great and then, and then there's one for my daughter but I look at those every morning when I wake up but I would take those for sure I love and that. Mom days. I don't know. I want to say something superficial, like a pair of completely impractical, some <laughs> impractical shoes of some sort. Something with like real, a lot of straps and some real sexy hmm. shoes that I haven't put on for a long, yeah. long time. But maybe that
0: would be. I really love that. I just came. Okay, so I'm 32, and I just asked my husband. I think it was New Year's Eve. I was like, I wore shoes that were impractical and I hated it. And I turned to my husband. I was like, do you even like the way these look? And he was like, I mean, I like the way they look, but I don't like it more or less than like normal. And I was like, okay, well then I am never wearing impractical shoes ever again because I don't like it either.
1: Back in the day, I used to wear high heels every day and I'm five foot eight. But I somehow felt wow. like a pair of high heels was the way to go. Of course, it was the big
0: 80s. But I love that. Did you have the 80s. big hair, too? Yeah. I <laughs> That's awesome. I did, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Karen, so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. I cannot believe, like,
1: feel free to ask me questions anytime. Clearly, I love what I do. I love yeah. my work. And I love to chat all about kids and
0: food. So the pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much. And can you just tell us before they really go, where can they find you? Is there a good place to follow you, good information? Yes, I am on Instagram and
1: Facebook under Coastal Family Nutrition. Okay. If you are so inclined from my website, CoastalFamilyNutrition.com, you can subscribe to, I have a monthly newsletter, which is super short. But then I also have a weekly blog called "Snack Size Thoughts on Feeding Your Kid," and it's literally one paragraph about something about feeding your kids and a snack idea. So that's that's it. My blog needed to be fast for busy parents,
0: so if you're if you want more, there I am. Well, I'm going to go ahead and go follow that as soon as we hang up. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. Oh, my gosh. Like, seriously, guys, Karen is just, ooh, I love her. I want to have her in my head. I want her to be my best friend. I want to have a coffee date with her every Friday because, seriously, she has such great insight into feeding your kids, feeding your people. And... I love that I I would love to just surround myself with women like Karen who are just so caring and giving and loving and the way she talks just comforts my soul I don't know about you okay wrapping up Karen I would love to have her on again if you have any questions that you want me to ask her please send them to me and I will beg her to come back on now let's talk really quickly before we go about the summer sizzler challenge if you want to participate you need to go over to our Facebook group and you need to sign up because there's going to be some homework that you won't be able to do unless you're in the Facebook group. Okay, so go into the show notes, join the Facebook group. And what we're going to end up doing is we are going to go through the five key cornerstones and we're going to talk about how to have an amazing summer. So if you want to have an amazing summer, go sign up for the Facebook group. We'll talk more next week. Can't wait. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Mothering Together. I hope you found it helpful and inspiring. If you want to keep the conversation going and connect with other amazing moms with ADHD, then I'd love for you to join our private Facebook group. It's a great way to get more tips, support, and community. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you have any burning questions or ideas for future episodes, I'm always here to help. So just shoot me an email at motheringtogetherpodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Remember, you're not alone in this journey. We're all in it together, and together we can create a more joyful and fulfilling life. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you in the next episode.